0: The message today is the beginning of a new series of messages that I have never been brave enough to tackle, and that is a series on the story of Elisha, a message entitled today The Journey into Intimacy with Jesus, The Journey into Intimacy with
1: With Jesus, let's pray. Lord, we come hungry, eager to be in your presence, Jesus. To be family with you.
0: To be taught by you. To be disciplined by you to be made one with you.
1: Lord, teach us how to be intimate with you, Jesus.
0: And that will be enough for our hearts. To know and to be known by you, Jesus,
1: is the cry of our hearts. I pray in your name, my Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: Elijah appeared out of nowhere, but it was not out of nowhere. We know that a powerful man or woman of God does not come out of nowhere, they come out of the heart of God. They've been disciplined, they have learned to pray, they have learned to wait. They have learned to stop resisting. And somewhere in Elijah's journey, he stopped being for Elijah and started to be for God. I don't know when that transition happened. The scriptures don't tell us. But every one of us is called on this journey to finally make the transition from being concerned about ourselves to begin to be concerned about God and his agenda. And so one day he shows up in the throne room and confronts a wicked king, risking his life. And he is sent from there to the brook Cherith, where he's fed by ravens. Now, did the ravens fly down and land on a on a piece of china and lovingly dropped the food on. I doubt it. I think they went overhead and bombed him. And I can see him flapping in his robes as he runs to try to catch the food (laughs) before it hits the ground. And in my imagination, I also like to imagine that the ravens flew in the window and stole it from Ahab's table. I don't know. But I know he crossed the line, and now he's for God. But on the journey, it becomes so horrific and so painful that he finally says, I've had it. And if any of you have seriously crossed the line and begun to follow the Lord God of heaven, you will reach a place where you say, okay, I said I'd follow you, Lord. But frankly, I've had it. Get me out of here. I can't survive this any longer. And everything then depends on what you do. If you run for the devil, you're lost. If you run for the mountain of God, you're transformed. When Elijah came out of the mountain of God, he was totally unlike what he was before. Oh, he was fearless before until the woman began to say, I'm going to murder you. Until the Jezebels began to speak. But after he comes out of the mountain of God, he is utterly fearless. And if you try to attack him, he'll just bring fire down and consume you. I mean, he is totally unworldly. He has left behind all concern about his own life or about the world, he is now totally focused on Jesus and what he wants. That's the journey into intimacy. And we see this now beginning to play out in the life of Elisha. Elisha was a wealthy son of a farmer, highly respected. He had a wonderful future in front of him. He knew all the right people.
1: And one day, while he has 12 teams of oxen plowing the fields, he's using the 12th team. Elijah shows up
0: tremble when Elijah shows up because he is going to be totally unworldly he is not going to try to please you it's interesting to me that when when he says i want out of here and the lord comes to him in a still small voice and he speaks to elijah He gives him directions. In 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came, go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimish, king over Israel. Those were the first commands God gave, not the first one he fulfilled. They were the last ones he fulfilled. The first one he fulfilled was to find his replacement. He wants
1: out of here. Now, it would be almost 20 years before he got out. But he goes to appoint his successor. Also anointing Elisha
0: son of Shepat, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel. Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu.
1: Now I want you to understand
0: that Elisha is not going to be prepared to put anybody to death because he is still a people pleaser. We all start that way. Whether it's pleasing ourselves or others, that's a part of the human heart. I want to be loved. I want to be respected. I want to be successful. I want people to look at me and say, there goes a person I like.
1: Now, this little aside in verse 18 is a pretty severe
0: warning. Part of what happens when things get really tough for us, we feel like we're the only one going through this. And so it's real easy to begin to feel sorry for ourselves and say, why isn't anybody else going through this? I'm the only one. God says to him, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Don't imagine you're the only one. I'm doing this work in the hearts of a perfection number. There are other people I'm dealing with the same way. Now, if we could all just get together, we might encourage each other or we might discourage each other. We might all sit by the willows and weep because of the captivity we've been brought into as we're disciplined. So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha. First thing he did, I'm out of here, I'm out of here, God's calling me home. I'm on my way, I'll get my replacement taken care of. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and said, "Elijah, how are you, brother? I'm glad to see you. Everything going well with you? How's the farm going? Are you kidding me? All Elijah was concerned about was getting his replacement done so he could get out of there.
1: All pleasantness had been taken out of
0: Elijah's heart. He wanted the word of God. He wanted to leave this place. He wanted the way open for him to go to his advancement, his graduation ceremony. Don't be in a rush to graduate from the earth. Don't be in a rush to get out of here. You've got some work to do. I know some of you have said to yourself, okay, I've I've done the time. Let's get these prison doors opened. I'm out of here.
1: No, you're not. You've got a job to do.
0: No, Elijah goes up to him as he's plowing. It doesn't even say he let him stop the oxen. He throws his cloak around him.
1: Then he takes his cloak back. And he walks away.
0: He doesn't say anything. He just throws his cloak over him, takes it back, and walks away. And in that culture, they knew that that was the anointing. Now you would think he would have stopped the oxen. He would have chit-chatted with them a little bit like... Who was it? Samuel did with King Saul? Let's stay the night here and let's have some time to chit-chat and in the morning I'll give you a message from God. These prophets don't operate that way. Everything that you expect God to do to please your flesh he is not going to do.
1: He is going to come, and he's going to call you. And then he's going to walk away.
0: And every one of you in this room are here today because the Holy Spirit put his robe over
1: you. He wants to know, what are you going to do about it? And you would think he would stand
0: there and chit-chat with you and say how pleased he is with you and how much he knows you're going to follow him and all the wonderful things you're going to accomplish. He doesn't do any of that stuff. Can you remember the first time the Holy Spirit came to you and put his robe over you? Probably it was when you are deep in sin.
1: And you said, that's strange. What's this about? And then you forgot about it.
0: Until you maybe got in trouble. And then you say, Lord, Lord, Lord. Deliver me, deliver me. If you'll deliver me, I'll serve you. You were delivered and you didn't serve him. You walked away.
1: Then he comes again. Then he comes again. And he comes again. And he comes again. And each time he watched to see what you would do.
0: Elisha leaves his oxen and he runs after Elijah and he catches up to him and he says, Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye and then I'll come. I'll come with you. And Elijah says, Go back. What have I done to you? Hey, I'm not the one in charge here. I was told to come and choose you as my successor. I didn't choose you, God chose you. Now, I'm on my way to where God's going to send me. And if you don't want to follow, it's all right. Who are you to me? There's no sentimental tie between us. I mean, so many of us want to do everything based on our sentimentality, how we feel. You know, do I like Pastor Ray? Well, I'm not sure I do today. I hope you're not at the National Prayer Chapel because you have some stupid sense that you like me. I'm not here to be liked by you. I'm here to teach you the Word of God and to let it lay and let the Holy Spirit do in your heart what He wants to do. By the way, I do love you. But that's not why I'm here. If it were about that, I would be gone. I can think of a whole lot of places I'd rather be than right here, right now. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to be, I just learned about a new place on the Potomac for kayaking. You know, Mother's Day, beautiful day, sun shines out, water's getting warm. You know, I could have had a wonderful day on the river today. Instead, I'm here. Why? Why? I was sent here. I didn't choose to be here. I was sent here. Because this is a part of something that God is doing. He's calling us to himself.
1: Now it helps that I enjoy you all. And I do. And I love you.
0: But please, let's understand. If I get mad with you, I'm not going to leave. If I get happy with you, I'm not going to be here because of that. I'm going to walk in the commands of the Lord to my heart. That's what it's about. Not about sentimentality. It's about a journey to heaven and the robe of God has been thrown over my life and because of that, I'm going to walk in obedience to that because, see, if I'm here because of you, then when I have a hard time, it's your fault. And when you have a hard time, it's because it's my fault, because I said so-and-so to you. Now, I'm not going to take responsibility for your life. Jesus is the one who called you. He's the one who will release you from captivity. He's the one who will heal your heart. It's intimacy not with your pastor. It's intimacy with Jesus. That's what we're about. And in
1: the process, we love one another. Hopefully. Part of the time.
0: Elijah walks away. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye. Let me pack my bag. I'll be with you in just a minute.
1: Elijah didn't wait. He kept walking. Because
0: now, if he wants to go and be a servant of Elijah, he's going to have to spend time and energy searching for Elijah. If you want to serve Jesus Christ, you're going to have to spend time and energy searching after Jesus. No one is going to take you by the hand and lead you down the road and say, this is what you have to do if you're going to love Jesus. No, no. If you want Jesus, you go do what you have to do to get ready to follow him, and then you go search for him.
1: So Elijah leaves him. Elisha
0: goes back. And I love Elisha. He is still very much a human being. I'm going to show you, in the times as we talk about Elisha, there was a transformation where he left being a human and he became so changed that it was difficult for him to even be socially acceptable. He became an oddball. He became someone totally unlike the culture of his day.
1: He'd already moved into heaven. It didn't take him forever like it took Elijah. Elisha just moved straight into heaven.
0: Elisha is a symbol of the New Testament church and what we're called to as a people. Elijah, on the other
1: hand, was a symbol of law, to the law and to the prophets. Elijah did not die. Elisha died
0: of a disease. And when another dead man was thrown in on his grave, he touched his bones, and instantly the dead man came to life.
1: We'll talk about that later.
0: Elisha goes back, and this is what I love about him. He burned the plowing equipment, he slaughtered the oxen right there in the field, and he did roasted beef, and he fed the people. You had a party, a goodbye party. Some of you need to have a goodbye party. You need to call your friends, your family, and you need to serve them roast beef and say, hey guys, I'm out of here. I'm going to follow the Lord God of heaven. I'm not going to be the normal, happy, pleasing man that I've been to this point. My life changed today. The call of God is on my life. The fire of God is on my
1: life. Then he
0: set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. I want you to see that the day he set out to follow, he did not become the attendant. There was some time. One of the kings later would be asking, isn't there a prophet somewhere that we can talk to? And the answer was, well, no, but... Elisha used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Bring him.
1: Why did the king want to see him?
0: Because Elisha had become a humble servant and he was willing to humble himself. This rich landowner was willing to humble himself and become the servant of an itinerant prophet and pour the water on his hands. You know what that meant. They ate with their hands. They picked their food up with their hands. It does not say that Elijah held the water bottle for Elisha. Elisha had to wash his own hands. but He held the precious water and poured it on Elijah's hands. Go back, Elijah said. What have I done to you? Well, we need to begin to understand in our hearts that the Lord God of heaven does not simply lay out for us step by step and say, okay, children. No, he doesn't do that throws the cloak over us, and we know that that means come and follow me. And then he walks away. And then we have to decide what we're going to do. Jesus is not interested in slaves. He's interested in servants. In other words, he doesn't imprison us and capture us and force us to serve him. He invites us to come. He throws his cloak over us and he says, come and follow me. And some of you have been following halfway, half-hearted for years. And we're at a place where we can no longer afford to halfway follow Jesus. And we need to understand the reality that when we begin to follow Jesus... He is going to begin the process of making us holy. He is going to begin opening for us the gates of righteousness. He is going to walk us into such difficulty that we will learn that we have nothing of ourselves to open the way. It is the man we serve who has the power to open the way. And this resistance that we speak about is essentially simply my pride saying, I want to be able to live as an American, I want to be successful, I want to be recognized and I don't want to be a humble servant. Jesus asks, will you lay down your resistance and stop turning away from me and recognize that this is not a sentimental journey, that intimacy with Jesus Christ is never about a sentimental, I love you, Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I ask you to do. Love is shown in Scripture by how we behave by the way we treat other people, by the way we treat our master. Will we observe what he tells us to observe or will we in rebellion say, if I go that way it's going to be too expensive, I can't afford it, I'm going to lose the loved one, I'm going to lose the relationship with somebody I care about, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. The devil comes and says, if you follow Jesus, you die. Well, he's right and he's wrong. If you follow Jesus, you will die. But there's always a resurrection with Jesus. But if you follow the devil, there is a death and there is no resurrection. And believe me, the devil has come and thrown his cloak over your heart and said, you belong to me. And you're going to walk in lust and anger and bitterness. You're going to walk with pain and anguish in your heart. It's
1: the human condition. You can't escape it.
0: Jesus comes and he says, follow me. What do you say to Peter? It's none of your business what happens with John. Follow me. Well, I want to know what's going to happen to Ed. I want to know what's going to happen to David. I want to know what's going to happen to this one.
1: The Lord says, None of your business. Follow me. Feed my sheep. And Am- Am I sounding hard to you all? This is not hard.
0: This is just reality. The blinders are taken away. Let's look at it for what it is. Let's understand that we live in a cause and effect world. You do certain things, you get certain results. Always. You keep doing the same thing you're doing, and you'll keep getting the same thing you're getting. Are you unhappy with what you're getting? Then you have to change what you're doing. I mean, that's not hard, is it?
1: You all would agree.
0: Entropy says everything is running downhill. Everything is wearing out that it takes a fresh infusion of energy to continue the life. All I'm saying to you is, look, guys, you don't have a chance if you don't have an infusion of power into your life. And you can go down the road as far as you want to go, and you'll see your life slowly spiraling down, down, down. Until you die and you're in the grave. Last night I spoke with a man and I said to him, he's an old soldier, I've spoken to him before, and I said to him, do you serve Jesus Christ? He said, well, yes and no. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I serve Jesus, but I do it my way. Oh, really? And... Are you expecting when you die that you're going to go to heaven? Well, of course. I've lived a good life.
1: I said, sir,
0: would you be surprised if you don't end up in heaven, but you end up in hell because you're following your own desires? Oh, now, Padre, come on. We all follow our own desires. And religion is just there to teach us a few principles about how to live. And so I choose the ones I want. Oh no. This is very personal for Jesus. This is very personal for Jesus. This is about a relationship with another person, not a computer, not a machine. And so what are we going to do in building that relationship with this person called Jesus?
1: I want you to go with me to a scripture. And please, I'm going to use the lavender New Testament. It's so powerful. Hebrews, the second chapter.
0: Speaking about the angels that come and minister to us, the word angel is sometimes difficult to understand in the New Testament because it simply means messenger. It can be God Himself referred to as an angel, simply means a heavenly messenger. And this messenger has come to help those as ministering spirits sent forth for the ones who are going to inherit eternal life chapter 2 of hebrews verse 1 because of this that is because of these ministering spirits that have come to us it is necessary for us to pay more earnest attention to the things having been heard that we may never drift away and in the in the greek literally this never drift away is not a casual drifting away. Um, I remember one night, a friend loaned me his 44-foot Choli sailing boat, his, uh, his yacht, and I had a group of people with me, a group of church members, and we were out on the bay, and we decided to spend the night on the water, and so I pulled up
1: into a creek and put the anchor in. And somebody said to me, what if the anchor doesn't hold?
0: And my answer was, well, then we're in trouble because the tide was going to come in and go out while that anchor was set. So he kind of troubled me a little bit, so I put out a second anchor because it was just mud on the bottom. I put a plow anchor out, and then I put another plow anchor out because I didn't want to be moved during the night by the tide as it washed in and out. That night we
1: all slept like babies.
0: Gently moving in the water. There's nothing like sleeping on a sailboat listening to the
1: rigging on the mast.
0: Got up in the morning and we were exactly where we were the night before. And I let out a great sigh of relief and I have to tell you I got up several times during the night to check to make sure we were not drifting out into the bay where we could be hit by another ship. What this passage is saying is that there are going to be currents that are going to carry you if you're not very careful. Those currents will take you away from the primary objective of life, which is intimacy with Jesus Christ. So the finances are going to crash. Are you still going to seek Jesus first? You get sick, are you still going to seek Jesus first? Somebody gets angry with you, are you going to engage in a battle with them? Or are you going to keep your eyes on Jesus? The devil's going to send every current possible to cause you to lose sight of Jesus. And you remember what happened to Peter when he was out walking on the water. The storm was blowing. He took his eyes off Jesus and became afraid. That is, he lacked belief. And because of his lack of belief, he started to sink. And he had to cry out to Jesus, Save me, Jesus! And it says Jesus reached out his hand and brought him back to walk the rest of the way to the boat on the water this time with Jesus holding him. Sometimes the only way we can walk on the water is with Jesus hanging on very tight to us.
1: Currents are going to be
0: sent into our life to terrify us, to cause unbelief to rise in our hearts, Currents aren't going to be cross currents to try to push us into the mud or to sweep us out to the rocks.
1: Recognizing
0: that the Holy Spirit has thrown His cloak over you, you now are going to have to make decisions about what will influence your life. And you have to become
1: very conscious of this.
0: For if the word having been spoken by angels became certain and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape having neglected so great a salvation, which at first having received that to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by the ones having heard, being joined by God, bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and the Holy Spirit distributing gifts according to His will. All of us in this room have experienced the giftings of the Holy Spirit where He has come to us, He has called us, He has spoken to us, and the giftings of those spirit will only grow in power. It's interesting, I'm reading the original documents from the newsletters from Azuzu Street in the early 1900s, 1906 to 1908. I have the entire newsletter production for those years. And as I've been reading through them, they repeat over and over that those who have walked the longest faithfully before the Lord, it seems that the anointing only grows in their lives and they become more powerful in healing. They become more powerful in prophesying. And as you think about it, that would be natural because they are being drawn more and more fully into the heart of Jesus. The intimacy with Jesus is but growing. Most of us,
1: much to my sadness, have spent many years, and yet we're still like little kids without power. That power only comes. By going through the testing and the trying and being matured
0: by enduring and not turning away and not going into sin, but walking in the love of Jesus, in the purity of Jesus. Verse 5. For not to angels did he subject the coming habitable world concerning which we speak. Now one testified, we know, saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or son of man that you visit him? You made him only a little lower than the angels. I need to stop there. The Septuagint, which is a very poor translation, but was accepted by Jesus translates this angels. But the Hebrew word here is Elohim. It is God. So it should be translated, you made him only a little lower than God. Speaking here about Jesus, as he was born the son of David, he was but a little lower than than God himself in that created form as he walked on this earth. You crowned him with glory and honor and appointed him over the works of your hands. You subjected all things under his feet. For in that he subjected all things to him, he left nothing that is not subjected to him. But now we do not yet see all things having subjected to him. We don't see everything subject to Jesus. We see the devil like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we see Jesus having been made only a little lower than the angels. That again is Elohim, not angels. It's God. Because of the suffering of the death, having been crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, we may experience death in beha- he may experience death in behalf of every conceivable person now it was fitting for him through whom we are all whom, whom are all things and by whom are all things having led many sons to glory to make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering so jesus Perfect through suffering, the word in the Greek is fully mature. He was never with sin, so he's speaking here about maturity. Now, both the one making holy and the ones being made holy are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I really struggled with this this week.
1: So I said, Lord, in the NIV,
0: it does not express it as a process. In the Greek, it's expressed as a process. And I said to one of of you all, and you were very helpful to me, you said, Pastor, be very careful how you talk about that.
1: If you say you're not sanctified entirely yet then that means you're not you're not a brother of Jesus. And I was very troubled by that. And this person said to me,
0: I know you. It's not that you've done something wrong that is blocking you. They were right. It's not that I've done something wrong. I'm totally given over to Jesus. But there is a process he is taking me through. And lavender expresses that in a, out of the, the wording of the Greek and the tenses of the Greek. It's expressed as a process. I want to read this for you. Notice the process. Let's begin with verse 11. Now both the one making holy and the ones being made holy are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. In other words, if we are committed to the process of being made holy, Jesus is our brother.
1: And you can claim him as your brother. Now, I don't know if that comforts your heart. It does my heart. Because I'm
0: so mechanistic. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm mechanical. My whole cultural orientation is mechanical. I'm going to go out after the service. I'm going to get in an automobile. I'm going to turn a key on. And there's going to be combustion. And that combustion is going to move my car. I'm going to create fire. I'm going to create an explosion in my car. I've really come to the conclusion that combustion
1: is more of darkness than of light. That mechanical things are more of darkness than of light. I don't think the
0: Lord would invent something that you would have to have an explosion in in order to have it work. He's organic in the way he works. Electrical power is organic in the way it flows. Magnetism is organic in the way it functions. The earth is a giant motor, but the earth is not held in space by oil creating combustion.
1: What am I saying? That God has us in a
0: process of being made holy and the devil comes and tries to create explosions and tries to destroy. And if any of you have tried at all to follow Jesus, you will suddenly have an explosion in your life where everything is seemingly being destroyed. That's not of God. That's not how he functions. He functions organically, not mechanistically,
1: not mechanically. The way God has worked in my heart
0: has been in that still small voice as I come after him as I listen to him, as I heed those tender words of mercy saying, no, don't do that, Ray. Go this way. Do that. I mean, I can only remember two or three times in my life when God has yelled at me. And believe me, I deserved being yelled at because I was going down a road that would have caused destruction. And he stopped me in my tracks and said, don't go there. I'm grateful. But his normal way of operating with me and with us is that tender, gentle voice. It says, Do not fear.
1: Don't turn away from me. Trust me.
0: I am making you holy. Hagios, to be made holy. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. This is not an instant transformation. God's not going to jerk out of you the sin and jam in righteousness. He's going to gently call you. He's going to gently rebuke you. He's going to call after you.
1: He loves us.
0: And we're all at different places in this journey into intimacy with Jesus. And it's not for me to
1: judge where you are in the journey.
0: It's for me to love you and speak honestly the word of God to you as it's given to me. And then it's for you to take that word into the presence of God and say, Jesus, is there anything else you want to say to me? I'm here, I'm listening.
1: There are three essentials.
0: Please hear me. You will never make serious progress into intimacy with Jesus if you simply pray and read the scriptures. You have to also meditate. You have to consider that word and you have to look at your own life and say, How do I measure up to that word? One of the things that moves me forward more than anything else is when I get up early in the morning and I read the word and I begin to say, Jesus, what's that have to do with my day? What do you want from me today? How do you want me to walk? Who should I talk with? Who should I avoid? What are the steps? What do you want me to say on Sunday? What do you want me to say on the broadcast? And I wait on the Lord and he answers. And at night, before I go to bed, I take time with him and I say, Lord, I know I messed up here and here and here. Please forgive me. Now, Lord, is there anything else you need to deal with me on tonight? And I review every action of the day.
1: How did I do on that phone call?
0: How did I do with that person? have I done what you ask me to do today Jesus it's a time of can i put it this way it's pillow talk time
1: it's intimacy time it's when the lord and i talk with one another it's when we consider together my journey into holiness Now, there are other church disciplines that are vital fasting one day a week. The giving of alms.
0: If you have shut up your heart and you've stopped giving because you think you've either given enough or or you don't have enough to give, you are violating one of the basic principles If you had breakfast today or you ate yesterday, you have some resources. You need to be giving. Even a small portion of that is a sign to the Lord that says, I'm participating with you, Lord, in this work of giving to you. It doesn't have to be a tithe of a tenth. Some of you don't have a tenth to give, but you have to be giving. You have to be fasting. There are just certain fundamentals that if you're not doing, you are blocking God from speaking to you. But the most essential of those, prayer, reading of the scriptures, and meditating. And the prayer and the meditating should be going on all day long. It's
1: remaining in the presence of Jesus. Tell you today.
0: I want to partake in the heavenly calling. And that means I have to fix my attention on Jesus and not let any side current take me away from Jesus. No other agenda to remove me from Jesus. And then as I go out into my day and I work at the assignments given to me by the Lord, I walk in trust and faith. And I consider everything that's unpleasant to be disciplined and from the hand of Jesus. If I'm rebuked, I'll take it as from the hand of Jesus. If I'm praised, I'll take it from the hand of Jesus. No one
1: can touch me except with Jesus' permission. And so I keep my eyes on Him.
0: Well, next week we're going to go a step further in the journey of Elisha into intimacy with the Lord God of heaven. And we're going to watch him literally as he is transformed from a happy, wealthy farmer into a person who is no
1: longer of this world. That's where I want to go. I
0: want to go into the heart of Jesus. Mighty King. My desire today above all things is that I should know you and be known by you.
1: Lord, I surrender all into your hand. I keep nothing back from you. I give you all of my fears, all of my hopes, all of my dreams, all of my agendas. I give to you every attack of the enemy. I give to you every bitter dart that comes my way. Lord, I am not going to turn away. I'm going to trust you. For you have thrown your cloak over us. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I pray this week you will follow Jesus.